0: This is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. I had the pleasure of chatting with James McDaniel about horticulture in Iceland. For anyone that is not familiar with that word, horticulture is the art or practice of garden cultivation and management. Ever since learning about greenhouses in Iceland and just about different plants growing here in general. I have been looking forward to the day when I can talk to someone about this topic on the show. So, just to give you some background information about James, he is a horticulturalist that is focused on geothermal horticulture, sustainable production in extreme climates, and emerging technologies for food production. Currently, he is at the Agricultural University of Iceland, otherwise known as AUI. Working with fertilizer experiments for an Icelandic startup named Atmonia. The goal is to develop new environmentally friendly methods for fertilizer production. And just a side note, when you hear the interview, we actually did it at the Agricultural University. Some of James's past work includes organic agriculture consumer trends research in Beijing, sustainable gardening for small markets in the United States, seed germination techniques using Martian regolith stimulants. Test trials of geothermal runoff from residential apartments for local food production in Iceland, as well as LED grow light trials for the Innovation Center of Iceland. Another fascinating fact about James is that he studied Mandarin Chinese for many years and worked in Asia as a translator slash interpreter. During the interview, we get into how he ended up in Iceland, the work he is currently doing and so much more. Additionally, James showed me the space that he uses to grow plants for his research projects. With his permission, I captured a short video of that space and some of the plants there. I recently shared a short clip of the space with the members of the All Things Iceland community on Patreon. So if you're a patron in that community, you can check that out if you haven't already. I learned a lot talking to James, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Before we jump into it, though, I want to give a shout out to Danielle. She is in the Ausgårdur tier in the All Things Iceland community on Patreon. Patrons in that tier get a shout out once a month on the podcast. That is one of the many benefits of the membership. If you're not familiar with Patreon, just in short, it is a membership platform that allows creators like me to provide exclusive content to listeners like you such as the behind-the-scenes video that I shot of the work James is currently doing. To learn more and join the community, check out patreon.com forward slash Iceland. There will also be a link to the page in the show notes of this episode. káilegar fyrir át hlusta og James, thank you for sitting down with me today to talk about agriculture and specifically horticulture in Iceland.
1: Yeah. You know, glad to be here.
0: And I'm excited about this topic mainly because I feel like there's so much that I would like to learn and probably others as well since Iceland is quite unique when it comes to geothermal energy and all those things. Definitely. But before we jump into that I would love to um, get a little bit more background information about you. So where are you from and what sparked your interest in horticulture?
1: Yeah so I was uh, born in Alabama and uh, then actually ended up Studying Mandarin Chinese for six years.
0: For six years?
1: Yeah. Wow, I, I okay. I ended up going to university in Wisconsin and then lived in China for a while.
0: Okay.
1: And uh, part of when I was in doing that, I was also trying to do a minor in environmental science, but then ended up just focusing on the Chinese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which probably needs a lot of focus. <laughs> yeah, yeah it,
1: uh, it takes up a lot of time. But uh, yeah, so I... Moved to China for the first time. Well, I went there like a few times just as like uh, like study programs, but then did like a six month stay there in 2007, okay. just doing language programs. And then in 2012, I moved back there to work and was working as a translator and tour guide. Okay, mostly right. like in West China and like uh, Tibetan communities. So I'd take American and European high school students, and then just take them up into the mountains. Okay. and <laughs> take them on backpacking trips and like have them volunteer at orphanages and things like wow. that. And then that was 2012, and after that summer, I was uh, a little bit tired of living in Asia. And uh, I had a friend who was living in Helsinki in Finland, so I decided I'd fly back through Europe on my way back to Alabama. And the last flight, I needed to buy a ticket, and it was cheaper if I spent three days in Iceland before (laughs) I went back home. (laughs)
0: It's Usually, not like people's problem. It's like, oh, it's cheaper actually to go to Iceland.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, did I didn't realize like, that once you get here, that's when, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of when the prices
0: start. Was this like the wild air days? Like, maybe, uh, like, I think like, this was on Iceland
1: Air, okay. But, uh, yeah, it was just like if you lay over here, then it okay. was like cheaper than just flying directly back home. <laughs> Makes sense, okay. But during those three days, uh, I, I met an Icelandic guy okay. and uh, okay. kind of hit it off, and we actually traveled back and forth between Alabama and Iceland wow. for like uh, about half a year and then I decided I was just going to try moving here, see how it goes. And we ended up getting married and stayed married for a good while, but he got tired of Iceland and wanted to move somewhere else. He wanted to move to the UK and wow. okay. I didn't really want to, and we tried doing long distance for a while and it just didn't really work out. Yeah. So I stayed here and, and ended up getting Icelandic citizenship a couple of years ago. Okay. So that's been, especially now, it's kind of a relief to
0: yeah. have <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually saw that on your uh, Instagram profile. You said you were a new Icelander. And I was like, what does that mean? Meaning, like, I didn't know uh, literally yeah. that you meant you have citizenship in Iceland, which gives a lot of context to it. But also, like, this is your home now, right? And it yeah, is, basically,
1: I I feel very at home in yeah. Iceland. <laughs> Especially compared to, like, I don't know, like, being queer in Alabama never really worked. And <laughs> Understandable (laughs) same in China, it's not a very liberal place for that.
0: That's really fascinating. They're like you were going from these so different places than Iceland, of course, but also from each other. Like all three of these places are just so different culturally of like
1: like if there was like a triangle of extremes, it's like (laughs) conservative Christian religion, conservative communists, (laughs) and then liberal but also very densely, or, like, sparsely populated. Yeah.
0: yeah, okay. What, then, was, like, your moment when you thought to yourself, I'm going to study horticulture? Like, how long had you been in Iceland? Was there something specifically that happened here that made this interesting to you? I guess, like,
1: horticulture specifically. Like, I'd always been interested in plants and just had, had never really thought, like, I could do that as a job. Mm. Um, and at the same time, I, I'd, like, been studying Mandarin for a long time and... I always wanted to study Mandarin, but I never realized, like, what I wanted to do with it when I was done. Yeah. So, like, I, I learned Chinese and then worked, like, in translation for a while and just didn't really enjoy it. And yeah. just uh, decided I'd try a change. When I first got to Iceland, I was working, like, at a... Theonis de like, a service desk for, mm-hmm. uh, like, tech support.
0: Right.
1: And uh, then after that, I was like, I don't want to do that kind of stuff. either. <laughs> and uh, what it was, like, I think 2015, I moved out into the countryside. Okay. Right. Like, I just emailed almost every greenhouse in the country and was just like, hey, I'd like to try working at a greenhouse just to see if I like it. And there's uh, this place north of Selfos called Artangi. and they, um, They're the largest uh, like culinary herb producer in the country. Okay. So if you see any like in the grocery stores in these like plastic bags, they, yeah. that's uh, from where I was working. Okay. And I worked there for about four years and then like, the people I was working with, like, one of them was in the school I went to, like, the horticulture part of the agriculture university. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so after, like, working there four years, I was like, yeah, I could, I could do this. I, I really enjoy it. And, yeah,
0: nice. You know, it's
1: just, like, every day you're working with plants, like, listening to audiobooks and podcasts. <laughs> just very chill yeah. life in the countryside.
0: That's awesome. And it's also, yeah, like you said, super relaxed. I can see how that would be such an alluring thing. And also, like, now you're getting this knowledge, too, that is super useful for business and personal life, right? Yeah. And so I'm
1: really surprised, like, the number of opportunities, especially since graduating, just, yeah. like, having a job offer before, like, I even finish school. And
0: Congratulations. Yeah. It
1: was, especially, like, just the economies right now. Yeah. It's,
0: so, by the way, James just graduated, right? You just yeah, graduated.
1: so... This program is, like, a two-year program, and then you do, like, a 63-week internship at different places. Oh, okay. So now I'm, like, graduated from, like, the written part, like, the Boklega, I think is what they call it. Okay. And now there's verklega, where it's, like, you have to work at different places and get more experience.
0: Okay. So it's quite an intense It's pretty
1: intense, and uh, it's, like... When you're in school, it's, like, five days a week from, like, usually, like, around nine in the morning to, like, maybe three or four in the afternoon. And it's just, like, lectures and then, like, hands-on stuff a
0: lot. Okay. Awesome. And when you first came to Iceland, before you were setting any of this stuff Mm -hmm. and kind of getting used to it, was there anything that was a bit weird or unfamiliar to you about the culture that stuck out? Uh,
1: I think, like a lot of people just, like, the, like, realizing that there is kind of, like, a language barrier. Like, you can do, like, whatever you want in English. Mm -hmm. But then there is kind of, like, this entire other, like, community and, like, life going on here that's encapsulated in the language. Yeah. Until you can really, like, at least understand what people are saying, then, like, you definitely have some exclusion. Yeah. And I was kind of used to that, like, living in China, but there I studied the language so much, so it was, like, like, obviously I would never really fit in, like, as a native speaker there, but coming to a country where you don't have any experience with the language is mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, especially if you're moving for like, because you're like dating someone Then right, yeah. it's like, you're throwing yourself into like a foreign culture and, and the guy I was dating, he was half Icelandic, half Jordanian. Hmm. So he came also from like a very like religious uh, background yeah. and had uh, like left Jordan to come to Iceland.
0: Wow.
1: And so it was like, we both had this like conservative background not not wanting it to have anything to do with it anymore. <laughs> right. And then, like, uh, being in, like... I think one thing that really struck me just, like, being able to hold, like, hands yeah. with my boyfriend in public. And, like, when I... The first... I still remember the first time I did it, I was like, this is oh, wow. not something I'd ever had before. Okay. And that was something that I was like, this is,
0: this is really nice.
1: Like, not having to be, like, scared to
0: yeah. express
1: yourself in public.
0: Absolutely. So in Alabama, it's that... Stricter that like I guess judgmental maybe? Yeah, I
1: mean it depends on where you are. Like, okay. I was in Birmingham It's the biggest city it has about 400,000 people. Yeah, but uh, I don't know like if you were like hanging out at a bar and went, went outside I, I wouldn't hold hands. Right. Okay. And Got uh, it.
0: so it's like always kind of looking behind your back or just yeah
1: Yeah, cuz I mean, I don't know like it still comes up and then it was like these kind of hate crimes where people Get not just killed, but like tortured and killed yeah, and it's really it's scary. Awful.
0: Okay, and so what is it like then being in Iceland and then going back to Alabama to visit, right? Because now it's like you've been opened up to a whole new world of freedom and which obviously should be the case anyway, right? Certain, yeah, this, exactly. This restriction on your life um, based off of other people's opinions. But has that been hard like going back? I find and, that like
1: every time I go back, it's a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> like I haven't been back since, it's been about three mm-hmm. years? And, like, before that, I was going back about every year. And then this past time, I went back with my current boyfriend. We'd been together about, about three years, and it was his first trip to the U.S. Yeah. And going to Alabama was a really a <laughs> culture shock for him. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... I don't know, like, I felt like going with him, like, seeing it through his eyes for the first time, and, like, how problematic so many things were, and just, mm. like... It, it felt like people weren't as friendly, like, even compared to Iceland. Yeah, okay. And, like, I don't know if it's just, like, people are getting more tense as time goes on, and I just haven't been around it. Yeah. Then I also think, like, once you take yourself out of that position, it's just like, okay, your brain starts to rebuild itself in a healthier way. Exactly. I mean,
0: it's kind of this reverse culture shock they sometimes call it, you know. Mm. Like, I, New York is pretty liberal, as many people know, and that's yeah. <laughs> where I'm from. But still, there are times I go back, and I'm like... This is a little strange, you know. Or I picked up something from Iceland, like the whole looking at people thing, right? like uh, staring yeah. at people. So yeah, I have to watch myself. That now. Is, yeah, especially. Yeah, because yeah, I'm going back and I'm like notice, I'm noticing something that someone's doing, and maybe I'm not staring in their eyes, but I'm going to be looking at what they're doing quite long, and then they notice, and it's like, what are you, what are you looking at? Yeah. It's like oh, nothing. <laughs> not <laughs> right? not like, yeah, exactly. So I better watch out. So. Yeah, and what about your family? Have they come to visit Iceland? Yeah,
1: most of them have. Uh, like, especially my mom and my older brother, they're really good about traveling. And my mom mm. was actually able to visit this past January with some of her nice. work friends. And so they came over and just had a nice time. Showed them around, and they actually had a, like the one good week in January. Ah, uh, yeah, January like, like was this terrible. That's true. I, was, I was like, no, this has been. Like the roof of our school, like collapsed this, no. this past. Like over in Kverger, they had a lot of snow built up and it just. Uh, Holy crap. They had this like beautiful atrium that has like a pond in it and like this little waterfall. And just the whole roof came in and they had to like redo the whole thing.
0: Is it a flat roof? Like what is Yeah, it, it was
1: really? like flat but like slightly slanted. Okay, so it just and wasn't it was enough. really it. old. It's like built okay. in the 70s, I think, when they put that up. And, so
0: it's been time for them to change it. Yeah, I think
1: they were just waiting for it to completely collapse That's before terrible. they could.
0: <laughs> they were like,
1: ah. And so, yeah. like, yeah, in January, like, most of our classes were canceled because of that. And wow. uh, then, like, all of our classes were canceled when COVID came. So it was all online until graduation. And then we actually had to, we had graduation in person.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's true, because really things got lucky. better. And, yeah. yeah, And now we're back to everyone being like, crap. <laughs> like it's, we're, you know, I wouldn't say I'm, like, super afraid, but, and maybe you can talk about how you feel, but it is this like worrying thing we've tasted what it's like to almost go back to feeling normal yeah
1: and then it does feel like people don't really want to go back to oh. like being safe or like not going outside yeah
0: or even the fact that you might need a mask in certain situations which yeah. is completely new That's here now yeah brand new now yeah and i had to order masks this weekend because yeah. I, was like, I don't know. any
1: boyfriend was looking at patterns to sew some so,
0: <laughs> so it's like okay here we are just kind of been now jumping back into the horticulture mm. <laughs> are you focusing on something specific within this field of study
1: yeah so like my focus is mainly on just um like indoor geothermal agriculture so using like natural heat from the earth to,
0: yeah and,
1: and this is like one of there's four concentrations in the horticulture school there's uh, geothermal agriculture or horticulture which is all indoor and then there's um like decorative gardens. So mm-hmm. like, right. like the people who built like the stone paths and things like that. And then there's um like floral gardening okay. and, uh, floristry. So like actually working in like, bloom booth. What's that in English? Again? Yeah. Like a, a flower shop. Flower shop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Start forgetting some English. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and are your classes in English or in Iceland? They're
1: all in Icelandic. Okay. So that, uh, was the hardest part, but also, like, the best thing for improving my Icelandic. Mm -hmm. At least listening about plant science. (laughs) Like, I feel like I can very focusedly like, listen on that now. Okay. But they did let me, like, write all my papers in English. Nice. And for, I think, all of my classes except for one, they let me take the exams in English. But it's kind of like you just have to have an agreement with the teacher. Right, okay. there was one teacher that was just like, no, sorry, I don't have time.
0: Wow. And so I,
1: I took, that one was... Like, we also have to take, like, business classes there, too. And that was for a business class in Icelandic. Wow. And I I failed that exam the first time and had to do that one again. And I I got a different teacher to translate it the second time, and that was fine. So it's just, like... (laughs) Yeah. It's tricky. Like uh, That first semester was particularly hard, just trying to get into the habit of listening to Icelandic for, like, six hours a day. Wow.
0: And your brain, I'm sure, was just... Yeah, it just
1: gets, like, extra tired. And and then, like, studying, like, all your texts are in Icelandic, too, so... But then having, like, my translation background made it a little bit easier, because I was just used to kind of dealing with, like... I would just mainly translate a lot of my stuff in English, and that's how I read them instead.
0: Okay. And had you taken classes in Icelandic beforehand?
1: Yeah, I took a couple, just like these like community center ones that mm-hmm. you can take, and then I did like half a year at Halskola Íslands, so, okay. like, University of Iceland, uh, the Icelandic for foreigners. I think is the
0: yeah. That program. Is that the one year program or is yeah, it it's the, one yeah. year? Okay. And you,
1: I, I didn't finish it because it
0: was it helpful? Or? Um, I've heard mixed reviews. That's why I'm asking.
1: <laughs> it just depends on the teacher. Like I had some teachers that I uh, felt like I learned some things, and then. Mm. Some teachers were just like, we're reading one children's book the entire semester. Oh, it's like one page a
0: week. <laughs> what? One page a week?
1: <laughs> that was just one teacher though. I think she was just done. Like,
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> She's like, all right, open the page and we're gonna talk about this one word. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like and what are just, you gonna like, do? That's ridiculous.
1: Everyone's eyes were like glazing over. And eventually yeah. I, was, like, I, I was like living out in the countryside and I was driving twice a week from like outside of Selfos to downtown Reykjavik. It was a like
0: waste. almost a two hour drive. Wow.
1: And then in the winter, longer, if you could get through it all. Yeah,
0: you could literally do that at home with your partner.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or by yourself. So like, by the time February came around, I was like, I'm not driving over yeah. <laughs> these snow-covered mountains anymore. I just, Fair
0: enough. I hope that they're – like I said, I heard mixed reviews. Like I know people who have gone through that program and felt like – they've learned some stuff and then others who are like, it was an absolute waste of time and I should have just done The Bachelor's. Like I've known some people who mm. decided they signed up for The Bachelor's and then went only for one year and they're like, learned enough, it was it was rigorous and then kind of just like went on about their lives. That makes but, sense. Yeah, but it's hard to know that, right? Like no one's yeah, really like, talking about especially it. Especially
1: like if a program's advertised for like Icelandic for foreigners. Right, exactly. You're like, <laughs>
0: oh great, this is what I need. <laughs> so.
1: I think it would be good if like, people hadn't had any experience at all just like starting out fresh because I was like most of the classes anyway yeah okay
0: so then now you've taken crash crash courses specifically for what you're doing in Icelandic and Mm. do you have to speak at all in the class or
1: yeah and I would often go back and forth between like my broken Icelandic and and everyone there understood English so okay yeah sometimes they would like if we gave presentations I would be like I started in Icelandic and then switch to like English for the meaty stuff of it.
0: Okay. And for the industry here, do you feel like you have to speak in Icelandic in order to work? Not
1: England? so much to work. Like when I was working out in the countryside, it was such a like an interesting place. Like the owner of it is this like kind of like leftist socialist person. Okay. He's like very <laughs> into making sure like we follow all the rules for workers' rights. And
0: nice, you know, good.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like that was like one of my earlier experiences. As a foreign worker in Iceland, and I don't think very many people get that. No.
0: I mean, there's a group called Away From Home Scammed in Iceland. Yeah, exactly. "Ah."
1: I feel really lucky that I got in with this, like, family, and they kind of, like, took me under their wing and, like, taught me how to do stuff. And uh, for a while we tried just speaking Icelandic, but then it's, uh, as often happens, people just switch to English.
0: Yeah. It is one of those, like, if you don't push it, it's super hard. And I think with most things, or probably with your Mandarin too, right? You probably mm. some point you just have to push the barrier and, and speak and do all this other stuff in order to... Yeah, you.
1: and especially for English speakers here, it's like, it's so easy to switch back to English. And people sometimes don't even give you the choice. No,
0: yeah, that's true. In fact, you can keep continuously speaking in Icelandic and they'll be like, yeah, so what is it that you need? It's just like, not all the time though. Yeah, exactly. But still it can and happen. Sometimes it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's like give it's, me a break, thank you. Exactly. Because <laughs> I remember even like going and you can talk about your experiences, like going to the market and maybe a bakery or something. Mm. And I, I asked this woman, uh, kind of recently actually, like I needed sourdough bread. And then she went into all the varieties of sourdough bread, and I was like, crap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was not, I thought I had this, Like in my mind I had to practice, you mm. know, like what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. And I was like sweating, and I was like, uh, tata. you know, just like parting mornings to something, she's like, okay. But yeah, I mean, how is that, it, especially, are you in the countryside now? Is that No, nah,
1: we, uh, me and my boyfriend, we moved back to Reykjavik last summer. Okay. So we've been back in the city for about a, a little over a year now.
0: Okay. So in the countryside, though, maybe it happens here in Reykjavik, too but where people, like, just initially start out talking Icelandic to you, and then you just kind of, like, decide on if you're going to continue? It kind of or... depends. Like,
1: there's definitely a lot more stubborn characters in the countryside. Okay. <laughs> and especially at parties, like, people are always like, why are you speaking English to this guy? He wow. needs to practice. And so it, it is a little bit more pressure out in the city, I think. And, and But then at the same time, like, I don't know, oftentimes, like, especially with Icelanders, if you're hanging out and they've been drinking something, they want to practice their English. Yeah. <laughs> so it's... Uh,
0: Exactly. Okay. It can go
1: either way, I guess.
0: Yeah. And could you shine some light a little bit on what the horticulture industry is like here? Because you mentioned there's a lot of opportunities, so...
1: Yeah, especially now. So, like, I guess now there's maybe, like, a few hundred greenhouses just spread across the country, Uh, most of them in the south, like, within shipping distance of the capital. Okay. And uh, it's really, like, the, the whole story of, like, horticulture in Iceland, like... The first greenhouse was built, like, in the late 1890s. Whoa. Okay. And it was before they had figured out geothermal energy. So they built, like, basically a glass house over these pits. Okay. And then filled the pits with horse manure mm-hmm. so that it would, like, decay over the winter. And as that happens, it releases a lot of heat. Yeah. So you can actually heat your greenhouses, which is with, like, horse excess... <laughs> And that was the first one, but that model never really caught on. No,
0: it's not. doesn't smell very good either. <laughs>
1: yeah, I can't imagine working in one of those, like, just stuck in there in the winter. oh, <laughs> well, that is one nice thing here, like, if it gets
0: too hot in the greenhouse, it's really
1: easy to get out of the heat. <laughs> Fair
0: enough. And it's also nice to be able like, oh, it's kind of like the Mediterranean or something. Yeah,
1: uh, just the winters working in the greenhouses is, like, so much better for my mental health, just yeah. especially with, like, the grow lights and just the warm air, you could kind of close your eyes and
0: pretend. That's actually a really fascinating idea, meaning, like, because it is so dark here, I wonder if anyone's thought about using that as some kind of therapy for helping people who get depressed when it, you know, gets dark. I
1: think they should definitely do more with that. Or even, like, in the city, like, maybe build more, like, indoor parks. Yeah. uh,
0: There's one, I can't remember the name of it, but there's, like, plans to build an indoor park. Oh, okay.
1: Oh, yeah, there's, uh, like, the Alton Biodome. Yeah, that's That's, what it's uh, called, Yeah.
0: Couldn't remember, that yeah. Would be, so that's exciting.
1: Yeah, that's like a really big project that I hope they actually can get done.
0: Yeah, I'm just there's a the whole like we were mentioning about the um, economy now. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. it's just like it's like is this a necessity or you know like whatever. So yeah, yeah. And you see yourself working here, obviously, because you're doing interning internships and whatever else. So. In terms of that, is it that you work in the greenhouse growing things? Are there, like, levels to, you know, the types of work that you do? Yeah,
1: this is something I'm kind of just now figuring out. Like, um, I was pretty happy just, like, being, like, kind of base level, working in the greenhouses. Most of it's just, like, moving plants around all day and watering yeah. them. But then, like, going through the school, they kind of take you through the training to actually, like, manage a greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Or if you had the money, start your own. <laughs> yeah. Just, or
0: build your own.
1: Yeah, build your own. I think that would definitely be yeah. Yeah, where to start with it. But, like, uh, now I've gotten involved with this uh, startup that's, um, it's like, a high-tech fertilizer company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And basically, like, what they're doing is they've, they're building, like, uh, some... It's basically, like, equipment that allows you to draw nitrogen from the atmosphere, mm-hmm. which is, like, the main plant fertilizer you need. And so they have this very complicated process, I don't really understand, where they basically, like, take nitrogen and force it into a liquid form. And now what I'm doing is, like, testing, like, the fertilizers from that to see how it can be used.
0: Okay.
1: And, like, with that technology, you'd actually be able to, like, produce fertilizer, like, on the mm-hmm. farm. hmm And instead of, like, shipping it from wherever, like, the process now is, like, they have this process called the Haber-Bosch process, which yeah. there's these, basically, they look like giant power plants. And they use mm-hmm. about much, as much energy. And then, so you have, like, these really centralized fertilizer producers. And... And they ship it, you know, like like most of Iceland's fertilizer comes from Denmark from these kind of facilities. Okay. But then if you have the technology we just do it wherever, especially if the energy is cheap.
0: Yeah.
1: That makes a lot more sense. Yeah.
0: Like here, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I'm. I feel really like I'm getting to help them figure out how to, like... Take what they've done and turn it into like usable for like indoor agriculture.
0: Yeah, which is pretty that's, exciting. It's really
1: exciting, and it's yeah. like very like cutting edge. And didn't really think that people were doing this kind of stuff in Iceland. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's what is so interesting here, right? Is that like there are people who just like out of the woodwork, being like, "Yeah, we're gonna try this thing. Why not?" Right. Yeah, with
1: all sorts of things and uh, like what there's like some people doing stuff with like three D printed food now. And mm. I met a guy the other day from the. El Howie, it's like the art university. Yeah, Lista
0: How List the House police
1: and, yeah. Yeah. and they are starting a project where they're trying to figure out how to like 3D print pollen into structures what? to attract bees to certain locations. Fascinating. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's like all these like little like ideas and like you get a little bit of funding yeah. for a year and see if you can figure it out. And...
0: Endless possibilities. In regards to your work that you're currently doing, like I took a short video of the soon-to-be sunflowers, which is mm. pretty exciting. And actually, I'm going to put that up on uh, Patreon, just for okay. like, my Patreon awesome. community members to be able to see a little bit of that. Because I think I love sunflowers. and I It's just, my favorite. <laughs> right? Aren't they That's... so beautiful? It's just something about it. It just makes you happy yeah they're you know? just like so
1: bright and seeing them move like you can move the lights around once the flowers are ready and they'll start yeah. like oh so like them. yeah
0: that's cute they're just yeah they're to me are the, the adorable flowers <laughs> so.
1: i was growing some this spring that were like actually red sunflowers Whoa. and uh, they were really weird they like they would have like one main head but then like like five or six other ones <laughs> that were just like growing off the side okay there's, like, a bunch of sunflowers I didn't know about either.
0: And is it something in the soil that makes them that color? Like uh, it's things? just different
1: varieties. Okay. Same with, like, different color roses. It's just okay. different like within the same species, but different types, I guess.
0: Because okay. I've been to a flower shop where they had dipped them, and it took on the ah, color. So I, I was know. just wondering if that, you know, was always the case. And it's kind of nice to know they can grow with that color instead of being, like, dyed.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's There's all sorts.
0: Okay. I was just wondering, too, my mind jumps back to the Mandarin a little bit mm. because I'm thinking, like, that's a pretty hard language, very hard. In fact, I think it's much harder in terms of classification than Icelandic for Yeah,
1: I think Mandarin's, like, on, like,
0: six. Yeah, yeah, it's, I think it's at the highest, yeah.
1: Icelandic's four, which is...
0: Yeah, it's it's high enough, yeah. for <laughs> sure. It's nothing it's to joke about, and it's a serious language if you want to learn it. So, in comparison to the two, obviously, we're studying Mandarin, like, Solely for yeah, a long time, and, yeah, and Icelandic differently. But how have you found the differences in learning between those two I languages? I think
1: the the biggest difference is just there's not as many language resources in Icelandic, mm. especially like Mandarin's very popular and there's a lot of people speaking it. Like probably hundreds of universities that teach it, yeah. maybe a thousands over the over the whole planet. Yeah, and, and we, then for Icelandic, there's very few options, and I don't think the the, like, experience of people teaching Icelandic to foreigners has really caught up with, like, the need for it. Right. So it's, uh, I think I still have a way to go, and especially figuring out, like, how to teach it. Yeah. And for me, like, such a different type of language than Mandarin. Like, Mandarin's so focused on, like, kind of monosyllabic meanings. And mm-hmm. in Icelandic, you get quite long words. Yeah. <laughs> and the grammar, for me, is a lot more complicated than in Icelandic. Pay in the butt. <laughs> Mandarin grammar is not so bad. Like, there's no conjugation. Right. And there's no tenses.
0: Yeah. Because it's evolved, right? I mean, I don't know where like exactly how its evolution has been, mm. but I am just uh, re- listening to an audiobook about the evolution of language mm. and how languages that have been isolated or that haven't evolved are more difficult normally. And mm. that is the case for, like, Icelandic and the yeah, grammar structure. Yeah, I never thought about it like Yeah, that. and I was just like, I was, I was like, aha, this doesn't this help me in terms of, like, yeah. I don't it's go, like... like, now I know it. Right, it's like, so I, I have a better into. understanding of why it's not as much fun to learn the grammar part. But, um, in essence, it's, it gives some context, right, mm. to how, like, English is different or even other languages where it's simpler maybe to... Uh, I shouldn't say say, but it's simpler to understand the structure a little bit better. Yeah. Even though it's still
1: difficult. That makes sense. Because I guess with like Mandarin, like after a couple of thousand years, you kind of get rid of some things that don't work. But exactly. if you're in, like, an isolated community, maybe things just keep going and no one really weeds things up. Exactly. And or it w- gets a little bit weird, like, what sticks and what doesn't.
0: And you're not mixing it with other languages either. Ah, uh, yeah. It's that is the completely, thing. It's like, like, pure. Because, like, English is this, what they call, bastard language. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. It's got so much other a stuff in it. A little bit of it. French,
1: a little bit of German. Yeah,
0: yeah. And everything exactly. in between. Um, I, I find languages interesting. Not enough to study them. <laughs> but enough to, like, get an understanding so I don't feel so... Lost and why this, you know, and I don't know how this happened to you, but when learning Icelandic, I'm always like, but why? Yeah. (laughs) And then it's like, it's just like, just just because. because. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, that's not good enough for me, but sometimes it has to be.
1: Yeah. That's one thing that's so different with Mandarin. Like there's, there's so much why and like, Every, like, line has a meaning. Yeah. And then Icelandic is... There's not really explanations all the time.
0: (laughs) It's like, here's a rule. And then there's a bunch of exceptions, right? Yeah, exactly. And why is that? Mm, Just memorize it.
1: (laughs) memorize these 10,000 exceptions.
0: Exactly. So, uh, and you are on Instagram, Mm -hmm. right? And you kind of showcase your studies or, like... Yeah, it's mostly just,
1: like... um, I was doing more when I was living like next to a greenhouse and working there every day, but just posting like what I'm growing and then yeah. pictures of my cat also. Okay. <laughs> I have a little, well, he's actually quite big. He's a Maine Coon.
0: Oh, wow, so. yeah, okay. <laughs> that is quite large. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been to Maine. Uh, like, at one uh. point my husband was living there, and I saw a Maine Coon cat for the first time, and I was like, what is this animal? I mean, it's a, they're cute. But they're just ginormous. Yeah, they're just like super big cats. Yeah. And <laughs> in a way, I'm like, oh, it would be so sweet. And it's like too much hair. <laughs> right? So a lot of hair. You're constantly just like cleaning up all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just like
1: hairballs this big. <laughs> oh
0: and at home, do you grow things as well?
1: Yeah. I have all sorts of things going. Like right now, I have a pineapple plant and what? some coffee. Pineapple uh, plants.
0: Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just super intrigued <laughs> by that. So. I
1: have a couple of like citrus trees that are... They're not doing as well, but that's something I'd like to get more into, like, trying to grow citrus here. Okay.
0: And this is all inside of the house, or is it outside yeah, it's, in
1: uh, the... Most of the stuff is inside. I have, like, some strawberries and flowers outside. Just, uh, right. like, we have an apartment, too, but
0: we have, like, a little space by the entrance. Nice. That we use. Okay. And a pineapple. Please, enlighten me. Like, does this take a lot of maintenance? Like, how are you doing? Uh, I'm pretty new at it, so, okay. like, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> but, uh, like, so my boyfriend, he's working at a uh, flower shop in uh, Westerbayer. Okay. And uh, they had, like, a pineapple plant come in, and nobody bought it. So he was like, do you want this? And I was like, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like, I thought it had died over the winter, but then like this past spring I started like making a new shoot and now it's about like this big. Okay. And, uh, so the trick will be like making sure I can give it enough light and the right type of fertilizer. Cause I'm, I found out that it takes about like in like ideal conditions, it takes about a year for the fruit to grow. Mm. Uh, and then maybe it probably here, it'd probably be like a year and a half to two years to yeah. get one fruit out of one plant. So it's just
0: one that grows at a time.
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's, uh. I need to remember that every time I, like, eat a pineapple, it's like, okay, this is, like, a year... Yeah. ...a year-plus work.
0: And in the right conditions, right? In the right conditions, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so,
1: like, this would be, like, like, in Hawaii, for example. Yeah, exactly. Take about a year to grow a pineapple.
0: Fascinating. Okay. We're just gonna kind of round up. I'll put the last question, which you might know what I'm going to ask you, which I ask every person that I interview, and that is, what is your favorite Icelandic word or phrase?
1: One that keeps popping up to my head, in my head, like uh, the word for photosynthesis, Mm -hmm. liostaliven. What is it? Liostaliven.
0: Liostaliven. Okay, photosynthesis. I think I might need to (laughs) (laughs) double check if I like
1: put that officially as my favorite word. Okay,
0: no. I just
1: think it sounds really nice and like just like light coming into something. Yeah,
0: exactly. We all need. I mean, even though plants specifically use Mm -hmm. liostaliven, but. I feel like it also just like for humans, for everybody, right? Yeah, like, exactly.
1: And like, I mean, we all get like vitamin D from lights, right. and that affects our mood. And and I found out recently, you can actually get vitamin D from these grow lights. So.
0: What? So you're probably like abundant in vitamin D. Yeah,
1: yeah. So like when I'm like working, I'm just like. Mm. That's
0: why you're so happy, right? <laughs> <laughs> just like life just is good.
1: <laughs> chilling with my plants, not interacting with humans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, James, thank you so much for this. It's been a lot of fun, and yeah. I learned a lot.
1: Thank you. It's a, yeah, and if anyone ever has any questions about plants or, like, what's going on with plants in Iceland, I definitely get you in touch.
0: Awesome. And I can share your Instagram account so that people can yeah, contact I, you I, there, I'd
1: or be, wherever you want people to contact yeah, you. Yeah, Instagram would probably be best. Okay. That would be fine.
0: Thank you. No problem. Thank you. <laughs>